Hello, and welcome to Notes on the Week Ahead, a JP Morgan Asset Management podcast that gives you insights on the markets and economy to help you stay informed for the week ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at JP Morgan Funds. Today is December 6, 2021. Despite a disappointing gain in non-farm payrolls in November, numerous recent data points show an extraordinary excess demand for workers. This excess demand won't persist forever. However, it's important to understand its causes, as this can provide some guidance on two crucial questions, namely, how long might it last and how will it be resolved? The answer to these questions can also help in assessing which asset classes could outperform in 2022 and beyond. While last month's 210,000 gain in non-farm payrolls was disappointing, in every other respect both the November employment report and other recent jobs data show a continuing tightening of labour market conditions. First, the unemployment rate fell from 4.6% to 4.2% in November, with total employment rising by 1.136 million workers, according to the Household Survey. Second, joblessness fell most for those without a four-year college degree, and the wages of production non-supervisory workers rose by 5.9% year-over-year, compared to 4.8% for all workers, suggesting that tight labour markets are helping less qualified workers. Third, initial unemployment claims averaged just 208,000 over the past two weeks, the lowest two-week reading since 1969, while layoff announcements, as reported by Challenger, Gray and Christmas, fell to 14,875 in November, their lowest reading since 1993. Fourth, In the November Conference Board Consumer Confidence Survey, 58% of respondents reported jobs as being plentiful in the local area, compared to just 11.1% reporting them as hard to get, the widest gap seen in this statistic since this question was first asked in the mid-1970s. Fifth, the November survey conducted by the National Federation of Independent Business showed that 29% of owners reported labour quality as being their top business problem, a 48-year high. And finally, the September JOLTS report showed a record 4.4 million people quitting their jobs, with the gap between job openings at the end of September and unemployed Americans in early October reaching a record high 3.019 million. At least one of these records is likely to be surpassed in the October JOLTS report due out on Wednesday. So how did we get here? There are really three broad reasons. Demographics, pandemic and policy effects on labour supply, and a surge in aggregate demand. On demographics, it needs to be recognised that the ageing of the baby boom continues to reduce participation. Between February 2020 and November 2021, the Census Bureau estimates that the total number of Americans over the age of 16 rose by 2.4 million, or 0.9%. However, this was comprised of a 2.9 million increase in those aged 65 and older, and a 465,000 decline in the population aged 16 to 64. Moreover, even these estimates likely understate the demographic squeeze in the working age population, as they likely do not reflect recent declines in immigration. In the middle of the last decade, total net immigration to the United States averaged roughly 1 million people per year. And current Census Bureau projections assume a continuation of this pattern into this decade. However, tougher immigration laws in the onset of the pandemic has cut this number to, we estimate, below 300,000 in the year that ended in June 2021. This is important since, according to the Centre for Immigration Studies, roughly 73% of new immigrants are between the ages of 18 and 64, compared to roughly 61% of the resident population. 
Other effects of the pandemic have also had a negative impact on labor supply. In the November jobs report, an estimated 1.2 million people claimed that they were prevented from looking for work by the pandemic. This could reflect health concerns or dependent care issues. In addition, long COVID symptoms may have kept some out of the labour market. There's also, sadly, evidence of greater substance abuse since the start of the pandemic, with over 100,000 people dying from overdoses in the 12 months ended October 2021, compared to 74,000 in the year ended February 2020, according to the CDC. Finally, pandemic disruptions have created cases of worker skills mismatch, where there are, for example, unemployed hotel workers and unfilled truck driver jobs in the same area, but no easy way to transition workers from one job to the other. It's also likely that government aid has slowed some of the recovery labour supply. For as long as they lasted, enhanced unemployment benefits gave many workers a very practical reason for not returning to the labour market, namely the fact that their incomes would be lower if they did so. However, even as these benefits have expired, some workers may have been able to use savings or credit accumulated over the course of the pandemic to postpone returning to a job they hated. Finally, this same government aid has boosted the demand for goods and services, with real consumer spending in October up 4.9% from its levels of two years earlier. This, combined with pent-up demand for a wide range of services which consumers didn't buy over the past two years, is likely making the labour shortage even more extreme. Just as nature abhors a vacuum, so economics abhors a state of extreme excess demand or supply. And over time, today's excess demand for labour should be resolved. But how it is resolved and how long it takes to be resolved, could have major implications for the economy and financial markets. The best solution would, of course, be higher productivity, and we are to some extent seeing that already. We estimate that real GDP per worker has increased by roughly 2.7% per year in the two years ending in the fourth quarter of 2021, more than double the 1.3% annualized growth seen in the prior 15 years. This above-trend productivity growth could continue for some time as businesses become even more inventive in saving scarce labor resources and capital spending picks up. However, productivity is only part of the answer. Another part of the story will likely be demand destroyed or diverted overseas. If you really can't find someone to paint your house this year, you can wait until next year, and the next time it's painted will be correspondingly postponed. In addition, our excess demand for labour is really just part of excess demand in the US economy overall. One traditional safety valve for this has been higher imports, and the trade deficit in 2022 could worsen as a result. Immigration reform could also obviously help with labour supply. However, political agreement on this issue looks very unlikely as both parties in Washington continue to see immigration as a convenient political issue to stir up their base without ever resolving the serious economic and social problems involved. That being said, we have seen an increase in immigrant visa applications in recent months and even under current laws and regulations, the flow of legal immigrant workers into the United States should increase as the pandemic recedes. Finally, there's simply the impact of higher wages and labour supply. One of the lessons of the last decade was that a combination of time and higher wages can bring forth more labour supply. Indeed, between the third quarter of 2015 and the fourth quarter of 2019, the labour force participation rate climbed from 62.51% to 63.24%, despite a strong demographic headwind. While these percentages don't sound impressive, they amount to an extra 1.9 million potential workers. All of these forces should gradually resolve the current excess demand for labour. However, barring a recession, this process could take years. Increasing legal immigration and the impact of greater capital spending and productivity are both very slow-burning fixes to an excess labour demand problem. Meanwhile, the higher wages required to lure people back into the labour force will also bolster demand, slowing any full correction of the labour demand supply imbalance.
For as long as this process continues, wage growth should be strong, while U.S. imports and the rest of the world should remain robust. For investors, this has three important implications. First, the single biggest expense of corporate America is labor costs, and continued wage increases could eat into record high margins, cutting profit growth sharply over the next few years and threatening current high stock valuations. Second, strong wage growth should bolster inflation, even as supply chain issues subside. Barring some shock, this should strengthen the Federal Reserve's determination to normalize monetary policy, boosting long-term interest rates, and thus hurting long-duration bond and high P.E. multiple stocks relative to short, shorter-duration bonds and stocks with lower valuations. Third, chronically high U.S. trade deficits and higher U.S. inflation should put down pressure on the U.S. dollar. This should favor investors in overseas assets. However, it should finally be recognized that chronic excess demand for labor is a highly unusual condition. Because of this, the way it gets corrected, corrected and the speed with which it gets corrected are particularly hard to predict. This adds one more reason to a general need to be diversified as we transition to a new and unfamiliar post-pandemic economic environment. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.